off and the clock has started. Well, if you could tell by the crickets, I still don't have an announcer for the show. So I guess I'll just do it myself. Welcome, everybody. My name is Doug Prezak, and you're listening to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. I used to have announcers that would say that first, but uh, yeah, I ran out of them. It would be awesome if I could get one of the uh, people listening in France to record an intro that I could put that in French. I would be so international. Wouldn't that be cool? Okay, so somebody in France, you're listening to the podcast. All you have to do is record, this is 20 minutes, and you'll never get back. Do it in French, and then send me uh, the, the file. Email it to me, and I will put you in the show. That would be very awesome if I had a French introduction. Okay, back to the show. I'll be up front with you. It's going to take a little bit to get to the epicenter of this episode. It's going to be kind of like on a car trip with kids. You know, Are, are we there yet? When are we going to get there? And uh, we will eventually. Hang on. But here's the backstory of how this episode came to be, okay? Because I'm sure you're interested, and again, you were willing to give up 20 minutes, so here we go. There's an amusement park here in Southern California that you may have heard of. No, it's not the one that has the mouse problem, but it is the oldest theme park in California and one of the oldest in the country, and it's called Knott's Berry Farm. But this episode is not about Knott's Berry Farm. Relax, it's not even about Disneyland. My story continues. And neither of these parks are currently open in the Golden State here due to the pandemic and all the shutdowns that go along with it. However, Knott's is famous for its chicken dinners and, of course, the famous boysenberry. Now, over the weekend, we went to Knott's to pick up a Christmas ornament. Yeah, I I know Christmas is over, but uh, it's also not the point of this journey. In addition to getting the ornament, we also picked up one of the world-famous boysenberry pies to take home with us. So later that night after dinner, it was time for dessert, and yay, we have some boysenberry pie to have. Now, this is still not the point of the story, so bear with me. I cut the pie into uh, two triangle wedges, uh, one for my executive producer and one for me. Now, it didn't take long to finish that piece of pie, but not because I wolfed it down. No, it was because a piece of pie just isn't that big. Now, I ask you to think about it. Generally speaking, if you have a round cake, you know, just like a round pie, and you cut a piece, it's also going to be a triangle-shaped wedge. But here's the difference. A two-layer cake would give you the equivalent of two pieces of pie, you know, if they're stacked on top of each other. And lordy, if it's a three-layer cake, well, I don't need to say any more. Now, it's pretty clear. Uh, You get a bigger bang for your uh, forklifting, dessert-eating experience if you have cake over a pie. But, uh, you know, you probably have already made up your mind, which is right. So uh, you have to pick a side, cake or pie. Now, are you on team pie or team cake? And to help you pick which of these sides of the dessert table you want to be on, let's dive into this a little bit. Come on, you know what's coming. Say it with me. I did some research, so you don't have to, pie versus cake. Now, let me tell you, I had no idea the pie versus cake was such a controversy, but hoo-wee, there are some opinions out there on this. Now, I'm not trying to disparage either cakes or pies. I definitely have an opinion, cakes, but, you know, it's, it's up to you. And I'm sure some of you listening right now are fantastic pie bakers. Hell, you might even be baking one right now while you're listening to this. And I'm sure there's just as many great cake bakers out there doing the same thing. But, you know, making a cake instead of a pie. 
But after having that piece of boysenberry pie, which was great, by the way, it just seemed to me uh, that the cake would yield a bigger rate of return, you know, dessert-wise. And that's based on what I call the stacking principle, trademark and copyright pending. Stacking, you know, I get take a piece of pie, stack it, equals one cake. Anyway, let's get into it here. Let's let's start with the definitions according to that very well-known dessert-defining expert, Merriam-Webster. She says... Definition of a pie is a dessert consisting of a filling such as fruit or custard and a pastry shell topped with both pastry or both. Now, if I expand that out a little bit, a pie is a baked dish which is usually made of a pastry dough casing that contains a filling of various sweet or savory ingredients. Sweet pies may be filled with fruit or sweetened vegetables. And question that one. Uh, Savory pies may be filled with meat, eggs, cheese, or a mixture of meat and vegetables. Pies are defined by their crust. A filled pie is also called a single crust or a bottom crust pie, and that has pastry lining the baking dish, and the filling is placed on top of the pastry but left open. Think pumpkin pie. Uh, A top crust pie has the filling in the bottom of the dish and is covered with a pastry or other covering before baking. A two crust pie has the filling completely enclosed in the pastry shell, like, you know, an apple pie. Now, here's a little fact for you. When fat is added to a flour water paste, then it becomes pastry. Just, Just so you know. Early pies were in the form of flat, round, or freeform crusty cakes, consisting of a crust made from ground oats, wheat, rye, or barley, and had honey inside. The Romans made a plain pastry of flour, oil, and water, and they used that to cover meat and fowls that were baked, uh, kind of keeping the juices inside. The Roman approach of covering birds and hams with dough has been called more of an attempt to preserve the meat from drying out during baking rather than an actual pie in the modern sense. With the development of the Roman Empire and their highly efficient road system, uh, pie cooking spread across Europe. Until the start of the 15th century, pies were expected to contain meat or fish. In the 15th century, custard and fruit pie recipes began appearing, often with dried fruit like dates and raisins. The first fruit pie is recorded in the late 16th century when Queen Elizabeth I was served a cherry pie. Now, pilgrims and other early settlers, you know, they sailed across the ocean and they brought their pie recipes with them to America because, frankly, who doesn't travel with their pie recipes? But they had to adapt their ingredients and techniques to what was available to them here. Uh, The settlers favored pies over bread because pies required less flour and did not require a brick bread oven. The popularity of pies and the popularity of baking pies continued to increase over the years, but after a little bit of time, the popularity of pies decreased. All right, maybe it didn't deserve that dramatic of a sound effect, but the reason the popularity of pies decreased was due to industrialization and the increasing movement of women into the labor market. And that changed pie making from a sort of weekly ritual to an occasional undertaking on certain occasions. In the 1950s, after World War II, the popularity of pies rebounded with the commercial food inventions like instant pudding, uh, Cool Whip topping, and other ready-made crusts which were sold frozen. There was a pie renaissance in the 1980s 
when old-fashioned pie recipes were rediscovered and a wide range of cross-cultural pies were explored. All right, enough for pies. Let's move on to cakes. Our friend Miriam says, The definition of a cake is a sweet baked food made from dough or thick batter, usually containing flour and sugar and often shortening eggs and other raising agents such as baking powder. Let's expand that out, okay? A cake is a form of sweet food made from flour, sugar, and other ingredients that's usually baked. In their oldest forms, cakes were modifications of bread, but the cakes now cover a whole wide range of preparations that can be simple or elaborate. The most commonly used cake ingredients include flour, sugar, eggs, butter, oil, or margarine, a liquid, leavening agents such as baking soda and baking powder. Cake is often served as a celebratory dish on ceremonial occasions such as weddings, anniversaries, and birthdays. There are countless cake recipes. Some are bread-like, some are rich and elaborate, and many are centuries old. Cake making is no longer a complicated procedure. While at one time considerable labor went into cake making, particularly in the whisking of egg foams, baking equipment and directions have been simplified so that even the most amateur of cooks can bake a cake. I can, you can. The word cake itself is a Viking origin from the old Norse word kaka. <laughs> How on earth am I supposed to proceed after that? My sincerest apologies to all the Norse Vikings out there. I didn't mean it. All right, moving on. In ancient Rome, the basic bread dough was sometimes enriched with butter, eggs, honey, which produced a sweet cake-like baked good. Early cakes in England were also essentially bread, the most obvious difference between a cake and bread were the round, flat shape of the cakes and the cooking method which turned cakes over once while cooking while bread was left upright throughout the baking process. During the Great Depression, there was a surplus of molasses and a need to provide easily made food to millions of economically depressed people in the United States. Now, one company patented a cake bread mix to deal with this economic situation and thereby established the first line of cake in a box. In so doing, the cake, as it's known today, became a mass-produced good rather than at home or bakery-made specialty. Later, during the post-war boom, other American companies developed this idea further, marketing cake mix on the principle of convenience, especially to housewives. Blame that misogynistic comment on the research, not me, okay? When the sales of cake mixes dropped heavily in the 1950s, marketers discovered that baking cakes, which was once a task at which housewives could exercise skill and creativity, that had become very dispiriting for them. This was a period when women who were retired from the wartime labor force they were uh, confined to the domestic sphere, if you will, uh, while they were still being exposed to the blossoming consumerism of the United States. Now, this inspired psychologist Ernest Dichter to find a solution to the cake mix problem. He realized the answer was the frosting. Since making cake was so simple, housewives and other in-home cake makers could expend their creative energy on cake decorating inspired by, among other things, photographs and magazines of elaborately decorated cakes. Ever since then, cake in a box has become a staple of supermarkets and is complemented with the frosting in a tub. And there is nothing quite like a spoon and a tub of chocolate fudge frosting. Just saying. 
All right, now that you have the backstory of pies and cakes, it's time to take a short break and let all that settle in. When we come back, we're going to let some uh, pastry chefs and cake experts do battle, go head to head on their thoughts on which is better. And before we go, I'll leave you with this little bit of information. A slice of apple pie is $2.50 in Jamaica, and it's $3 in the Bahamas. Yeah, those are the pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) Hey, Columbus, we can't turn back without an order from you. I'm not talking while the flavor lasts. What are you chewing? Peach nut gum? We could be in for a long voyage. Did you get it? Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, some of you may be wondering why we put candles on the top of a birthday cake. You know, frankly, it's because it's too hard to put them on the bottom. Oh, come on. You know you're going to be telling that joke to somebody else. All right. Let's get into the battle of pie versus cake. Uh, in one corner, we have Kat Kinsman. She is a pastry. Now, it sounds like they're really here, doesn't it? They're not. I'm reading their comments. Sorry. They're not here live. Anyway, Kat Kinsman, she's a pastry expert from CNN's show Etocracy. And Kim Severson, she's the food and baking expert from the New York Times. All right, we're going to start with Kat Kinsman. Uh, she's going to make the case for pie. She says, pie is humble. Unlike its gussied up and admittedly loving cousin, the cake, the humble pie is born of economy and austerity. It's a testament to its maker's thriftiness, prowess, and sensibility. She says, pie is honest. Cake's flaws are both cosmetic and culinary and can easily be ameliorated with the application of a whole lot of frou-frou crap. Sometimes the cake is a lie, but pie, pie is naked, unapologetic, and honest. It eschews geometric perfection and requires no extra adornment. Kat continues, pie is skill. To make a perfectly socially acceptable cake these days, You don't actually need to know much about the art of cake making. But if you're crafting a pie crust, it's most likely because at some point in your life, someone thought well enough of you to stand beside you at the counter and gift the muscle memory from her hands to yours. That person, whether it was your mother, your aunt, your grandmother, whomever, they guided your fingers as they worked the flour into the fat. They flicked in the water and they kneaded it at all to the proper mass. Oh, good Lord. And Kat closes out her case for the pie this way. Pie is currency. She says, as we all know, in the South, there is perhaps no currency more vaunted or valuable than having a recipe with an ingredient that no one else can figure out. So while there is now a particular canon of classic pie format, your fruit pies, your cream pies, your nut pies, your custard pies, chocolate pies, meringue pies... Molasses pies, mince pies, sweet potato pies, onion pies, savory meat pies, and not to mention single crust, double crust, lattice cut, and hand pies, and so on. There is enough variance to allow each happy homemaker to put her own stamp upon it and believe that hers is the superior version. All righty. We now call Kim Severson to the witness stand as she outlines her case for the cake this way. She says, Cake is essential. Like family and church, Cake is one of the pillars of Southern culture. Cake's position as the cultural currency for Southern women is of significant importance. Wait a second. Kat just said that pie is currency. You guys need to get that sorted out. All right, let's get back to it. Kim says, cake is history. There are cakes invented to honor presidents, like the dense, creamy fruitcake named after George Washington, 
we have the Robert E. Lee cake. Uh oh. <laughs> Sorry. Made with soft sponge cake and a tart citrus because the Confederate commander loved it. Oh. <laughs> Clearly, Kim is from the South. I apologize uh, if anybody was offended by the comments referring to Robert E. Lee and his favorite cake made out of sponge and tart citrus. All right, moving on. Kim says cake is community. Cakes were sold to rebuild churches in the aftermath of the Civil War and are still the preferred vehicle at bake sales. The very best cake would go first at the community dinner, and its baker would be elevated to cheering throngs of people, something that no pie or its baker would ever achieve. Kim says cake can get you out of trouble. She says if pies are folk art, cakes are masterpieces and they don't try and break you out of prison with a pie. Okay. And lastly, she says, cake is life. Cake is the marker of holidays and life events. A way to say this thing, this moment has meaning, real meaning. One has a wedding cake, not a wedding pie. Adding to that, more than 350,000 babies are born each month. And according to research from Betty Crocker, when those babies turn one, 58% of the mothers say watching their one-year-olds dive into their first birthday cake is the most memorable moment of the child's party. They're not diving into a pie. Well, there you go. My takeaway from that discussion is never, ever have Kim and Kat at the same uh, dinner party. It's going to get ugly in a hurry. But let's close it out with this. It's the great birthday debate, pie or cake. Now, when Team Pie was asked about it, They were specifically asked, when was the right time for cake? And they responded, if your family hates you and gives it to you for your birthday. (laughs) Well, that's an ouch. Team Cake said, 100% birthday cake every time without hesitation. I think there's something really fun and special about filling up the top of a cake with candles. Plus, with cake, you can always sneak another little sliver and no one's going to notice. But with a pie, it's going to be more difficult because the filling is going to run all over the place. And all of that will bring this debate to a close. Only you know where you stand, cake versus pie. But I will leave you with this. If you are on team pie and you're going to have some, employ my stacking principle. Take two pieces of pie, stack them on top of each other, and now what you have is a fruity piece of cake. That will bring Season 2, Episode 2, or as I like to call it, Episode 28, to a close. And what have we learned? Well, let's see. We learned that apparently it's easy to travel with pie recipes, especially if you're crossing the Atlantic. Uh, We learned that uh, cake was born out of too much molasses and the Depression. And we learned that pies are honest, cake is history, and both are currency. So try bringing a slice into a Starbucks and see what that's going to get you. That's it. Thank you very much for listening. I do appreciate it as always. And I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, If you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. 
And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.